This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Good morning, Relevant Life Church. It's good to see you today. Turn to your neighbor and say hello. There you go. Hello, hello. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes in just a moment. If you want to, if you want to turn there, find, discover your way through. It's in the Old Testament. If, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, if you open your Bible halfway through, it's going to be right about Psalms. It's going to go Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then Song of Solomon. So that's where we're going to be for just a few moments here. But before you, uh, before we get there, how many brought your Bibles today? I see pages turning. I love it. I love it. How many? How many love the smell of those fresh pages? You know. Mm, yeah, that's, that's a holy smell right there, just saying. Unless you ate nachos and were like left tra- traces on there, but I'm glad you're bringing them. We need to carry the book. We need to do that. As you saw in the announcements today that there is a workday that's coming next Saturday, we need you to go on and register so we actually know the manpower that we have and woman power, the person power that we need to make sure that we get everything done. And just for clarification, just so you know, we're only going to be working at South Campus next week. We have a lot of duties that need to be taking place there. So you're not going to be worrying about which campus you're going to. We're just going to be all at one place, and it'll be a problem probably uh, five hours max and very well could be less than. Uh, this weekend was Amplify. Everyone shout Amplify. Yeah, we, where we uh, took students, where hundreds of students from around our network went to discover, to develop, and to deploy their gifts. And man, I'm telling you guys, the church is in good hands. God's got his hand and anointing on our young people. And man, there were some powerful, powerful presentations. And uh, we thank you for helping us get there, helping them get there. Jesse, Kendra, and the team that you took and all that. Wow, thank you so much. Connect groups, sign up. Sign up today. Uh, Get in there. We have three groups that you can go, go to. And so we just want to make sure you connect with those. Uh, one last thing before I step into the message this morning. If you missed last Sunday, I encourage you to go to YouTube, our YouTube channel, and to listen to that message uh, and to understand so that we're not having to, to necessarily uh, answer questions that are, that are answered on that, 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 that presentation. And uh, we would just encourage you to do so. And I hope that you are processing. If you're walking through the mess like we are walking through the mess, God is good. And it's, one, it's one, day to the, one day closer to the other side, and that's where we're walking today. We're back into our series, a series of loving where you live. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say, do you love where you live? Did, you, did someone not ask the question? One more time. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you love where you live? As we step back into this series, we really haven't left the series, but as we step back into it, this is a transitional message back in today that is going to lead us back into. It's a message that needs to be preached, a message that's based upon truth. How many know that we don't preach the Word of God because we're right? We, 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 don't, we don't do what we do because we're good and because we're perfect. We do it because it's good and it's perfect. And so this message that we're going to step into is because we all need it. And we all need to love our circle better. We need to love our neighbors better. But we started this series of loving where you live, of what would happen if each of us really began to love where we lived. If each of us were to step back and say, I want to love Salem the way that Jesus loved Salem. Jesus who gave his life, who laid down his life. Not just the city, not just square miles of, but the people of the city. You know, because it's not just a location, it's all about the people. Say, it's about the people. And I think sometimes we can get focused on the location rather than the people. It's not about the weather and all the stuff and the economy and the government. It's about the people that are in the city, and that's really what this is all about. As we've been walking this series, we've been seeing this transition in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes on, you will receive power and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we're talking this process, this circle process, this phase process that we began, that there's a personal phase, and that there is a home phase, a family phase, and we're in the circle phase at this moment right now. And so we ask this question, what would happen if you loved your circle? What would happen if you loved your circle? What would happen if you loved the people in your grouping the way that Jesus loved the people in your grouping? If you really did have a heart for people, we defined this idea of circle, a group of persons, a group of persons. How many is a person here? Are we all persons today? 
I, I hope so. I, we're, you may not feel like it. Jesse doesn't feel like a person today because he's not had sleep all weekend, but I, I guarantee it'll come back. Well, he's got a toddler, so he still doesn't get sleep anytime. <laughs> a group of persons sharing a common interest or revolving around a common center. A common interest. Today, we talk about, we've talked in the past about this circle being a common interest that we're all humans and that we all have a need for Jesus. And we still are those people today. Do you need Jesus? Yeah. We're still those people today. But the reality is this, when I'm talking about the circle today, I'm talking about our circle of who we are as believers, that we have a commonality of faith. Everyone say a commonality of faith. Today, I've titled my message, Rules of Engagement. Rules of Engagement. You know, I could come up here and say, you know, rules are made to be broken and all these things of statements that you and I have heard, but I want to talk about rules of engagement. The purpose of rules. Rules, a set of regulations or principles that govern our conduct. That govern our conduct. Can I tell you that the Word of God is a book, not just of rules, but it's a of, of, of instructions that should govern our conduct. Am I correct? Someone can say amen. amen. It's all right. The Word of God is, is a thing that, that governs our conduct. It should govern our conduct. If we're followers of Christ, if we step in and say, no, Jesus, I want to follow you, I want to please you, this book is what governs our principles and our practices. This book is what helps us become what God asks us to be a set of regulations or principles to govern our conduct. When we think about rules, rules are given to protect us. Rules are given to ensure rights. Rules are given to direct behavior. Rules are given to create order. When we think about creation, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created something out of chaos. And what he did is he came and brought order to chaos. He set these regulations and these principles to say, this is where water is going to flow, and this is when, where land is going to be, and this is where the light is going to shine, and this is when darkness is going to come. There were these rules, these principles that guided, that governed, that provided health for all of our lives. Rules are needed to function in life. They're fun needed to function in community. They're needed to function in relationship. Whether it comes back to driving or shopping or living or education, relationships, whatever it might be, you have to have rules. I would like to say in my life, when it comes to certain things, I'm pretty much a rule follower. How many would say that you're a rule follower? I can be a rule follower. I'm not generally a rule bender, especially when it comes to playing a game. Are you the kind of person that, uh, no, this is the way we play the game. The rules are right here, and this is what you do. And have you discovered that when you sit down and play a game with someone else that they change the rules in the game? Like, it's family rules. They go, so you go to their house, and it goes, house rules. And you're like going, what the crap is house rules? <laughs> the rules are in the box. The rules are there for a reason. Am I, any, anybody out there saying amen to me? Am I the only one that feels that way? You know, but I've realized that when it comes to games, I'm, I don't like to bend the rules. I don't like to bend the rules. I like to read the rules. I like to understand the rules. I want someone to tell me, but then after I, they've told me I'm reading the rules, going, well, actually, no, you're missing this part right here. And it's very vital that you're, you're missing this part. I want to know the rules. But I've realized in my life, I've realized that through this journey of now the young, ripe age that I am, that I've had to play lots of games in life, and I've had children, and they've grown up in my home, and I realized early on that with my kids, I had to adjust the rules for my children. Why? Because they didn't understand, and they didn't grasp the context of the rule. So I had to come and go, okay, well, we're going to play this game, and because you don't quite grasp it, I'm going to always win, and so therefore I need to adjust these rules. I realize it even that much more now with my five-year-old granddaughter who loves to play games, loves to play cards. She's like, no, Grandpa, you won. I mean, it's like, she's just like, no, I, I want you, she wants you to win. And that's a bad thing because not only do I like to follow the rules, I like to be competitive. And I like to win. Anybody like to win? And I have to pull myself back to go, no, my granddaughter does not grasp the concept of strategy. She doesn't get strategy. So it's like, no, I'm not going to strategize. I just got to play and we've got to soften the rules. We've got to make this adjustment in life. We think about this concept of rules. 
Rules are needed in relationships. Rules are needed in community. Rules are needed for us to properly engage within our circle. In Scripture, it's very, very clear that there are rules of engagement. Throughout Scripture, we see Scripture time after time after time that God gives us rules on how to engage with those people in the world and how to engage with those people in the body of Christ. When we think about rules of engagement in in the body of Christ primarily today, and that's where I want to go, is the very concept of this phrase, one another's. Today, I don't have opportunity to go through all of the one another's, to walk through all of the one another's, to navigate through all the one another's, because some translations, depending on the translation, there are 59 one another's. Some of them are repeated. But we don't have time to focus on that, but they really are those rules of engagement for us to engage correctly in relationships. And for you to realize this is you have to accept the very foundation that you and I, humans, we were created to connect. Do you believe that today? We were created not to be alone. We were not created to be independent. We were created to be dependent upon God and interdependent upon others. That's the way that God designed us. Life works better when you're connected. If you want to turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, today I'm going to read out of the Bible Bible, the paper Bible today, uh, for this verse, but I have a lot of other verses that I'm going to put this book down so I don't have to wrestle with my glasses and I have my notes here. But if you've got your Bible, turn with me as we get there. But Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it says, two are better than one. Would you say that with me? Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Verse 9 again, two are better than one. Two are better than one. Heavenly Father, today I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that you have given us rules of engagement. God, today I pray that we would not dismiss the power of your word, that we would allow it to shift our perspective, shift, shift our mindsets today in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. This idea of doing life together is not just in the Old Testament, not just, not just in the book of Ecclesiastes, but if you are familiar with New Testament at all, that's where we find these 59 one another's, these responsibilities that you and I have in walking in relationship if you and I are believers in Christ. It's not for someone to do them for us and for us to step back and not do them for somebody else. They're engagement rules for each of us. We have to learn on how to, uh, we have to learn how, how to rely upon one another in this very fact. The modern day Lego, I am a Lego fan, the modern day Lego was patented in January 28th of 1958. The Lego Group's product line was introduced in 1969. In 1978, Lego characters, the mini characters, actually came out on the market when if you buy a Lego set, you're going to get a Lego character that comes with those. Those were 1978. Lego bricks come in all shapes and sizes and all colors. But with all that variety, what they have in common is that they were designed, they were created, that they could connect with one another. Legos were made to stack. The ability to connect was revolutionary, uh, was a revolutionary change that set them apart from simple building blocks. Not all Legos have equal capacity, but all Legos were made to connect. Legos are designed to connect. They are designed to interlock, to create something as a result. Legos can be combined to make amazing things. Legos creators say that with just six variety of blocks, not colors, but variety of sizes and shapes, that there are over one million combinations and possibilities of creation from six different Legos. But the reality is this, and they say this, but no Lego Not one Lego is sufficient without another Lego. Today, when I think about Legos, if you know me, I love Legos. I love Lego sets. I have a Christmas City Lego. I have 
creations, and I would have tried to bring some of them today, but then it's the stress that they would fall apart, and then I would have to put them back together, and that's stressful, and then I'd figure out how do I get them to the next campus. So today, just trust me. Uh, you can just go to the next slide there with the Lego slides. These are, these are some dream sets of mine that I would love to have. Uh, amazing piece sets that are hundreds of dollars worth right here, but I do not have any of them. Uh, hint, hint, just kidding. Yeah. I love the finished product. I love the finished product. When I retire someday, this is what I want to do with my retirement, is I want to sit and build Lego sets. I want to have a room filled with Lego sets. I love this, the mindset that is there. Uh, I, I love the designs. I love someone's creativity to create them. I love seeing the creation develop as you begin to put it together. I love the step-by-step -step process that's used in order to build. In some ways, uh, you can say that maybe I could be a Lego fanatic I would like to say that I am one, but in reality, I'm not because I like Lego sets, but I do not like individual Legos. There's a difference. There's a difference because a Lego fanatic is someone who creates. A Lego fanatic is someone who builds, who constructs, who designs. I would say that God is a people fanatic because he created and designed us. He created and designed us, and he says... But I would like to say that I'm a people fanatic too, but I can't create and design people. My only job, my only role is that I can properly connect to people. It's the same way as this idea of Legos is that we can properly connect. The Lego is constructed to connect, to connect in order to make something amazing. Yes, and I'm going to sermonize, I'm going to spiritualize this today. God has created each of us uniquely, uniquely, but if we do not properly connect... We don't make this amazing thing called the body of Christ. If we don't properly connect, we cannot be his bride because it's not an individual, it's not a, a Lego, it's not a person, it's a group of people that we come together to make the church. We need one another. I need people and you need people. I need to learn to connect to people, you need to learn to connect to people. God has made each of us as, as, as right in our own right, but we need people to make us better. But the problem is, is that when we change these rules of engagement, we create disaster. When we change these rules of engagement, we create distortion, we create hurt, we, create, we hinder purpose. And I can tell you today, whether we, whatever it is, all of us have endeavored and tried and done and changed the rules of engagement in our lives. Right? And therefore, in that process, we've all been part of the default in community, the default in engaging properly. And so today, my challenge to us is this, to help us be better, to help me be better. Today, I've taken these, I've looked over the process of the one another's, and I've come up with four simple phrases that encapsulate some of them doesn't encapsulate all, so this is not an all-inclusive message today, but this is where I feel the Holy Spirit has brought us. I want to clarify today, once again, I said a little bit earlier is this. When we think about healthy relationships, God, our relationship to God is a relationship of dependence. Everyone say dependence. Without God, we would not be alive. Without God, we would not be saved. It's a relationship of dependence. When I talk about human relationships, it is, the key here is interdependence. Everyone say interdependence. interdependence. It's not independence, and it's not dependence. Now, there's stages in life that we are dependent on one another when you're a child and all the different stages of health that are there. But the primary role of our lives, the primary role of us as believers is that we would be dependent on God and interdependent with others. That there would be this connection, this relationship that you would lend to them and they would lend to you. That's healthy relationships. So today I want to give you four rules of engagement. Four rules of engagement. Rule number one, that we need to engage with transparency. We need to engage with transparency. You are to live with sincerity. You are to live with honesty. You are to live free from pretense and deceit. When we think about our lives, we need to step in and go, where are we? So rather than going, okay, well, Pastor Kevin, what are you talking about? Who are you talking to? How I want you to answer this question is going, am I a person of transparency? Am I a person of transparency? Don't look at someone else and go, well, they're not transparent. You're not responsible for them. 
You're responsible for your Lego piece, not their Lego piece. Am I transparent? Transparency is this, to be able see, to see through it. A person who is not pretending, a person who is real, not wearing a mask. As I was reading through different articles this week, they said transparency is not pride, it is humility. When we are prideful, we want to hide. When we are humble, we want to reveal. Pride is what keeps us from being transparent. Transparency is this invitation to others for them to know us how we really are. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25 says this, Therefore put away all falsehood. Everyone say falsehood. Oftentimes we think falsehood is lying and deceit and sin that are coming out of our mouth. But this falsehood, this idea of falsehood is relational falsehood. Of putting on a mask and not being real. Not someone saying, how are you doing today? And going, oh, I'm great. No, can I tell you this interlocking of relationship, this interdependence is going, I actually am having a sucky day today. Would you pray with me? Can I tell you that's transparency, that's honesty, that's reality of life. Proverbs 28, 13 says this. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses, did I, who, he, yeah, who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and, and, and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Concealing our darkness, concealing who we are is never healthy. Concealing does not lean towards interdependence. I want to remind you today that transparency is not about gossiping about somebody else. Let me be transparent about someone else's errors. Transparency is not about sharing your feelings about someone else in a harmful way. Transparency is about you. Transparency is lifting the veil off of your life and revealing your heart and your soul. Why are we not transparent? Why do we pretend? We pretend to protect ourselves. Anybody been there before? We pretend that we don't get caught doing something we know we shouldn't do. We pretend because we're afraid of rejection. We pretend to gain approval from others. I want to tell you today that transparency begins with your relationship with God. If you want to step into transparency, it's not just going, okay, well, let me sit down and tell you my story. No, if you're not transparent before God first, it is not going to do you any good to be transparent to someone else. Transparency before God. That means that you begin where you are with your emotions, your sins, and your desires. Where you begin with your insecurities and your broken spots. Because I can tell you this, another person will never complete you. Another person, whether they're believers or not, can ever, another connection, another Lego will never complete a project. Transparency. Transparency begins with God. Transparency builds trust in human relationships. We, can't, we can often be transparent about hurt done to us. We can be transparent about our past stories. We can be transparent about the way someone has negatively impacted our lives. But relational transparency invo- involves a level of vulnerability of choosing to share your brokenness with somebody that you trust. Letting them see who and what you really are. Letting them see the real you. Transparency involves your own self-awareness. Can I tell you that many times we have to come to a place of going, God, show me me. We can go around in our lives being so blind to everybody else, so blind to ourselves and be so aware of everybody else. If you want to be authentic in relationship, you want to step into transparency, you have got to go, God, what about me? Not what about me, God, care about me, but what about me, God, what's my broken spots? Where am I broken? God, fix me. God, I need you. What I love about transparency is that transparency brings freedom. I've been criticized about my transparency. People say oftentimes, Kevin, you share too much, you reveal too much. I'm just going to tell you, I would rather be transparent than someone that's not transparent. There's times in my life that I have not been transparent and that I've been having to juggle my worlds to go, what's truth and what's not truth? And if I share that with that person and I don't share that with that person, can I tell you, I've had to come to the place of this, that either I am what I am before God and before you, or I'm, I need to get out of the pulpit. 
I need to step away from what I'm doing because I have to be real. I have to be real, and God loves the real me. And I want you to know the real me. Not only do we engage with transparency, we have to engage with confession. Transparency leads to confession. Transparency leads to this place in our lives that we are able to have confidence in someone else to talk to them when we are struggling. Remember, I'm talking about loving our circle. Everyone say, love your circle. Psalm 32, 3 through 5 says this, When I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable. Let me ask you, anybody ever been here where you refused to confess a sin in your life and you felt weak and miserable? Anybody remember that moment that you're sitting in a service, whatever it might have been, and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and he's convicting you and you feel weak and miserable? And you either have to respond to go and say, God, forgive me, or walk out of there feeling weak and miserable. Anybody like me that has sensed the conviction of the Holy Spirit that I know I needed to confess something and I ignored it, and you walk away and you go, and you're weak and miserable a little bit longer? It goes on and it says, and I groaned all day long. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. But finally, everyone say finally. We've all had the finally moment. Finally, I confessed all of my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Do you remember that moment? Do you remember the moment when the weight lifted, when it no longer had power over your life? Remember the moment that you struggled with and you sweat with and you were just like, ah, those moments that you sit in the presence of God and you know you need to confess and you don't want to confess. You know you need to deal with something in your life, but your pride is in the way. Confession is simply this, admitting one's guilt. It's an admission of acknowledge or acknowledgement of a wrong behavior or a wrong attitude. The actual Greek meaning of this is living in agreement with God, agreeing with God about our sins. That's basically what confession is, is going, God, your word says this, and my life is this, so God, I'm coming and saying, God, forgive me of my sins. For some reason, we overcomplicate it, and I would say, we don't just overcomplicate it, but the enemy loves to keep us in a situation with unconfessed sin. Because unconfessed sin in our lives is bondage. Unconfessed sin is keeping ourselves in darkness. True biblical confession is not just saying I'm sorry, but it's actually saying I'm sorry for. Everyone say I'm sorry for. If you want to practice confession in your marriage, confession in your relationships, don't just come and say I'm sorry. Hey, I'm sorry. No, come and say I am sorry for this. I'm sorry I did this. I'm sorry I said this. I'm sorry I thought this. I'm sorry for. Take responsibility for what it is you've done. Connection of, uh, of confession to transparency. There's got to be an openness. Oftentimes we're fearful to confess because of shame, fear of the consequences, fear of what others might think of us. But can I tell you this? That true confession does not control the storyline. True confession does not control the storyline. It doesn't manipulate this outcome. Kuru confession comes and says, this is what I did in fullness. True confession expo- exposes the depth of it all. It digs out the pieces of darkness. And I'll tell you this, in your confession, you are, you are free to the extent that your relationship will stand the whole story or not. Do you hear me today? If we come into our relationship, whether it's in our marriage, whether it's whatever it is, if we try and control the storyline And we try to go, well, this is all I'm going to let you know. Can I tell you what you're doing? You're still keeping something in the dark, and you're still going to have to protect something back here. Either you step out and clean up, or there's going to be devastation down the road. Confession does not cast blame on others. It accepts full responsibility. True confession is Psalms 51, and you need to go read it. What David says, God, have mercy on me. The power of confession enables us to experience God's forgiveness. The greatest thing, the power of confession to God enables us to feel, to, to experience that weight lifted off of our lives. The power of confession 
unleashes God's empowering into our lives to change. As you confess, you're saying, God, I'm bringing you into my situation. Would you change me? God, I'm exposing this that you would heal me. Confession. Confession is also crucial in restoring relationships. Owning your responsibility. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I love this statement. If you don't take any other notes, you don't take a picture, take a picture of this one. A man who confesses his sin in the presence of a brother knows he is no longer alone with himself. He experiences the presence of God in the reality of another person. As long as I am by myself in the confession of sin, everything remains in the dark. But in the presence of a brother, the sin has been brought to light and loses its power. Can I tell you, God wants confession in our life because he does not want us to stay in bondage. It's not for humility, even though it is there. It's not to, make, to embarrass you and to shame you. It's to say, I want freedom. The reason we confess is for freedom. James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Many times we live our life, I just have to confess to God. God's the only one that can forgive me. Yes, there's a confession to God, but there's a confession of restoration of relationship. There's an important step here. And the reason that we, the goal of confession is not to find relief for your conscience, but it's to find healing from your sin. You need to hear this today, church, that oftentimes we live in this private world. We don't want to be transparent. We don't want to live in, in confession because it's no one's business, that I'm independent. It's just me and God. No, God designed you to be inter interdependent upon one another. God designed for your full potential to be connected with other people and to walk in this principle, to confess your sins to a trusted person. That Why? Not to relieve your conscience, but that they would... Pray, lay hands on you and pray for you that you would be healed from your sin. Confessing one's sin to someone that we trust is never easy. It's never easy. But it makes you vulnerable. It makes you, gives you this ability in admitting that you need help. It is a humbling process. And oftentimes when we struggle with confession, it's because pride is bigger in our lives. And we're trying to protect our story. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. Does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Confession is one of the most practical ways to gauge whether you are involved in a Christian community on a biblical level. Are you involved enough with other Christians? Are you in relationship, relationship deep enough that you have someone that you can trust, that you can share your sins and defeats with, someone that you can seek out help from? Are you involved enough that they do the same to you? Can I tell you today, if not, you're not in deep enough into the community of God Amen. because it's not about being vulnerable to confess that you're gossiped about is being vulnerable to confess that you be made whole. Amen. We have trans engage with transparency, engage with confession. As you conf confess to a trusted person, that person brings accountability to your life. We need to engage with accountability. True accountability can only happen True accountability can only happen to the extent that you are transparent and that you confess your sins. Do you hear me today? We have this fascination in our culture of I'm accountable. I have an accountability group, and we ask our questions, and we go around, and we have our five questions that we ask, and have you done, have you done, have you done, and I want to come back and go, you can lie to every one of those questions. It only comes back to the depth of transparency and confession in your life. Accountable. Being answerable, being answerable for your actions or your decisions. Number one, you are accountable to God for everything you do. Amen. Whether it is on this planet that you face the consequences of sin or not, you are accountable to Him. But again, what I want you to realize, you are also accountable to the body of Christ. 
People can't absolve you from your sin. People can't deliver you from shame. They can't deliver you from habits. They can't deliver you from your broken spots. But can I tell you that God created human relationships to help you walk in an overcoming life. You need, it's, it's the three-strand the three cord that it's you and a person and God that help you succeed. Can I tell you today, if you are a person that lives above being questioned, you better be careful. Are you questioned by your spouse, husbands, wives? You should be. You should be, not out, of, not out of speculation, not out of mistrust, but out of accountability. Honey, I love you, so I'm going to ask you this question. Honey, I care about you, so I'm going to ask you this question. Can I tell you, the more accountable, the more transparent, the more I confess, the more accountable I am to her, the more victorious I am in Jesus. Can I tell you, that's what happens. There's a confidence that stirs. There's an ability that stands. Proverbs 27 says this. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Can I tell you that if you are in a true deep depth of relationship, you need to get your feelings off your search sleeve that if you're rebuked, you receive it as wounds of love. Don't go to the place of, oh, you just don't understand. No, you need to step in and go, I'm welcoming. I'm welcoming the wound. I'm welcoming the wound. I need that in my life. Wounds from a sincere friend who loved me are better than the kisses of an enemy. A friend who really loves you will wound you if it's necessary. They will tell you the truth. They won't give you a hypocritical kiss. They won't tell you that everything's going to be all right. They may come in and do some spiritual surgery. And I have people in this room that do spiritual surgery in my life. They go, Pastor Kevin, I see something. And you need, are you sure? I'm not above being questioned. And I can tell you this, that when I feel like I'm above being questioned is when pride has exalted itself in my head. Warning sign in my life. God has created human relationship in a fashion that the wise walk together and they rely on one another in this interdependent relationship. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as, a, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Can I tell you this? You don't, you don't sharpen iron, I wrote it down, you don't sharpen iron by hugging it out. You don't sharpen iron by caressing it out. You don't sharpen iron by pampering it out. You sharpen iron by friction that happens in the life. It's not the holy back rubs that are bringing change in people's lives. Yes, there's a place of tears, but there's a place that iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Your true friends are not people who are always going to agree with you. They're not going to approve of, always approve of your agenda. They're not going to stay out of your way. Your best friends are the, ones, are the ones who will endeavor to make you a better representation of Jesus Christ. Today, accountability, that's interdependence. In our church world in America today, our church culture, we want to be independent, that I don't have to submit to, that you can't tell me what I need to do. I want to tell you today that this book is filled with rules of, of engagement. And it's accountability and relational, re, re, relational engagement that demands something of you and something from another person. True relationship will actually put a, an edge on your life. It will sharpen it so that it's able to cut Wrong relationships are going to dull you. Wrong relationships are going to change your influence. They're going to blunt that influence. They're going to drag you down. I ask you today, are you accountable? Are you above accountability? Does that word accountability make you feel really uncomfortable? Does it cause you to squirm? Can I tell you today, if those are your responses, you need to step back and say, God, what is it that's in me that doesn't want to be held accountable? Engage with transparency, engage with confession, engage with accountability, and finally today, engage with truth. Everyone say truth. truth. Truth has to guide our engagement. Bernard Williams said this, truthfulness consists of two virtues, accuracy and sincerity. I want you to think about that. 
Truthfulness consists of two virtues, two qualities that are, that are held high above. One of those is accuracy, and one of those is sincerity. This idea of accuracy is details, uh, that, details that, are, that are painting an accurate picture, not trying to detract from a picture. Sincerity is no pretense that you come and go, no, this is, this is it. I'm going to cut to the sin, and I'm just going to let you know. Truth, truth has to guide our lives personally. Truth has to guide our lives personally and relationally. And today I'm not just referring to the idea of telling the truth. I want to focus on walking in the truth. There's a difference between telling the truth and walking in truth. Because there's oftentimes we can come back and go, well, truth is this. But when we walk in in truth, when we walk in God, there is only one truth. Truth, one person said this, is that, it, that, it, that which is true, the beginning, the middle, and the end, and everywhere in between. I like that definition. That which is true, the beginning, the middle, and the end, and everywhere in between, it fills all the gaps in. Can I tell you, as much as I want to be a truthful person, I know that I don't have the whole story about Kevin. I'm blind to me at times. I'm blind to me a lot of times. I need people in my life to help show the other parts. But I need the truth to reveal all of it. Our eyes are blinded people. We need the truth. Theological definition of truth is this. Truth is that which is consistent consistent with the mind, the will, the character, the glory, and the being of God. Truth is a self-expression of God. Truth flows from God. Truth is tethered to the character of God. Truth is not simply a description of what is real, but is anchored in God's personality, His attributes, and His nature. Truth is not our human reasoning or our desires. Truth is not our perceptions or our understanding. I want you to hear today in a culture that is declaring, well, what is truth? We'll get there in just a second, but what is truth? I want you to realize that truth is that which is consistent with the mind, will, character, glory, and being of God. And it's what should govern your life and my life as believers in Christ. The words truth and trust originate from the same root word. Truth and trust originate from the same root word. They mean firmness and solid and steadfast. Today, in relationships, you cannot have truth without trust, and you cannot have trust without truth. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't work. Think about your relationships. Think about your marriage. Think about the people you're, you either have to trust them and tell them the truth, and you have to have confidence that they're trusting you and telling you the truth. Jesus said in John chapter 8, he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and what? And the truth will set you free. We have to be connected to the truth, not the truth, the truth. John chapter 18, 10 chapters later, Jesus is in, standing before, before the court, before he is crucified. You say that I'm king, and in fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. And Pilate came back and said, well, what is truth? Can I tell you this confusion in our culture today, confusion in the church world today? Well, what is truth? Well, is it okay or is it not? Does it go with the book? Does it go with the character of God? If it doesn't go with the character of God, it's not truth, it's false. Truth is not determined by our personal feelings. Truth is not determined by our popular vote. It's not determined by a scientific consensus or a human court of appeals. Truth simply is what is anchored in God who created and sustains the universe. Jesus in John chapter 17 in his priestly prayer says this. My prayer is not that you take them out of this world. Can I tell you today, sometimes I'm just going, God, it would be so much easier. Would you just come? Anybody ever feel that way? God, would you just come? Jesus is saying, 
No, I'm not, I, I don't want you to take them out of the world, but I do want you to protect them from the evil one. They are not the world. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Verse 17, he says, sanctify, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. When I think about my life and your life, gee, he, we're not going to go, God, take me out of this world. Calgon, take me away. Jesus, take me away. He's going, no, I'm leaving you here, and you're, the way you're going to survive is by allowing me to sanctify your life with truth. And we go, God, how do we get it? Your word is truth. Your character is truth. Our lives need to be guided everything by truth. The way that we walk in this rules of engagement, yes, we have to have engage with transparency. We've got to engage with confession. We've got to engage with accountability. But we have to have the foundation of truth that he is truth. And that we're not defining truth our own way. That his word is truth. Real truth, I want you to hear this statement. Real truth makes us right in God's eyes. Deception and relative truth makes us right in our eyes and in the eyes of others. It's why we want relative truth. It's why we want to go, well, my truth is different than your truth. The only way that we can be right, for, right before Jesus is to accept his truth, <laughs> is to walk in his truth, to line up with his truth, to go, no, I'm wrong, you're right, God. That's confession. That's a daily confession. Anybody struggle daily with your attitudes that don't line up with God? Any struggle with thoughts that don't line up with God, attitudes that don't line up with God, whatever it might be, whatever's not lined up with the character of God is sin. And you need to say, God, I need you to, I confess my sin before you. Today, rules of engagement. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Two people are better than one. Two people are better than one. I sense in my spirit and our culture has been something that's just been permeating my life for the last several, probably about two years, year and a half, as I've been looking at my own life, going to counseling, all these things. God's just reiterating once again through the circumstances and situations and where we're at in the middle of the series is this. God wants our utter dependence upon him. God needs our healthy inner, inner dependence on others. We need our healthy interdependence on others. And can I tell you today, no place, no place in this book and in his character says that we're independent. And I just want to challenge you today as you're sitting here, I want you to evaluate your life. Are you living dependent on God? Are you living dependent on him? When we sing that song, I need thee, oh, I need thee. As we, Jesus, I need you now. Are you dependent on him? In the honesty of this moment, as you're sitting there, can you honestly say that you are interdependent upon the body of Christ? Do they know you in transparency? Have you built a relationship with somebody or somebodies that you can confess to and they can confess to you? Not to gossip about you, but to pray for you that you might be set free. Are you in a relationship where you are not above accountability? Are you in a relationship that you humble yourself to come and say, I need you to hold me accountable for this and this and this? And then I ask you today, are you in this relationship with God that's walking in truth? Not your truth, but his truth. Your head's bowed around this room. If any of these stand out to you today, would you just lift your hands to heaven? saying, God, I need you. God, I need, I need accountability. I need relationship. Come on, let's respond to him. This is not for me. This is for him. This is for you and him. If you can't be transparent before him right now, there's no way, there's no way you're going to be transparent in relationship. God, today we come in humility. We come today recognizing our frailties and our weaknesses. We recognize today, God, that we cannot be independent 
we will, we will die in independence. We will crater in independence. And God, today I come against the deception of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Satan, I bind you. I take authority over you. This, this deception that says that we can do it alone. This deception that says my truth is my truth. This deception that has not just permeated the world, but it's trying to permeate the church. And in the name of Jesus Christ, today, on April 30th, God of 2023, once again as a shepherd of Relevant Life Church, we take a stand and we say today we will be a people of relationship. We will be a people of truth. We will be a people of transparency, of confession, and of accountability. And God, in the name of Jesus, God, people today, I pray that you would give them courage and confidence to be what you've called them to be. God, bring us, bring a desire into our heart for interdependence. Bring a humility. How many need some humility today? God, bring a humility in our hearts to walk in interdependence. God, I bind pride. God, I bind pride in Kevin. Would you do it in your own life? God, I bind pride today. God, I cast down pride out of my life. God, I humble myself before you. God, we need you. God, you've given us these rules to govern our lives. God, today I pray, give us boldness to walk them out. God, I thank you that you're the God of the body. God, that you're the one that created all the individual Lego pieces. And God, we're unique and we're valuable on our own. But God, you have a purpose and a plan and you're bringing creation, dynamic creation out of all the pieces. God, today we submit to you putting the pieces together. Someone needs to do that today. Lift your hand today if you're here and you say, God, I need to submit to you. God, across this room, we submit to you, God, as you put the pieces together. God, I submit to you as you put the pieces together. And God, I thank you today that you're building something beautiful. You're building something beautiful. And God, that all things, whether they're good or bad, work together for good. What the enemy has meant for harm, God, you're going to use for good. God, we shore up every mechanism in our lives today. God, that we would glorify you. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Amen, amen. Our prayer team is coming around the front right now and they want to pray for you, encourage you. Maybe today, if this is a relationship that you have with one of them, maybe today you need to say, hey, I need to confess. Will you pray with me? Can I tell you, these are trusted people. They're trusted people. God bless you. There's so much happening this week. Make sure you sign up. Young adults, connect groups, work day. We need all of you. Make sure you come help us be the body of Christ. God bless. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.